He is greater. Jesus Christ, he is our king. He is our hope. He is heir of all things. He purifies us from sin. We have life eternal because of him. He is our great God. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be worshiping with you. Whether you're here live with us in person or you're joining us on, on the cameras here live streaming. And man, it's just great to be able to celebrate together. We worship Jesus Christ. We are here to point to Jesus. The church is always about the fame of the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... Not even close enough. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen, man. This is a huge deal. The church has a lot of great friendships, a lot of great connections throughout. And it's awesome that we can have those social and relational and family connects along the way. But we are here to worship Christ and make much of him. You know, as we're diving into this series, the series called Greater, we're a couple of weeks in now in this book of Hebrews, and uh, we've split it up. The book of Hebrews, we're going to be doing three different sermon series, all of them carrying the same mainline title, Greater. And then each of them is going to focus on a different facet of Jesus and what's greater about him in that way. Here in the first phase of uh, the book of Hebrews, we're talking about Greater, Jesus my God that he is God Almighty, that he stepped down as God the Son, pouring the fullness of God into the fullness of man, and that he became the, the exact imprint, our hope, our Savior, our Lord. He is God Almighty over all, and he is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. He is greater, and that's what we're here to worship and celebrate, that Jesus Christ can get all the glory. The title for the sermon today is Jesus is Greater Than Earthly Hope. Jesus is greater than earthly hope. And uh, please hear me on this. The world is trying to sell all forms of earthly hope. The world is trying to sell many different ways to trust either in self or someone else, but not trusting in Jesus Christ. Man, just know this. All earthly hopes come up woefully short Jesus is greater than all earthly hopes delivered up. Our, our hope is in the greatness of Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory, right? And so as we go after that together, our job is going to be to look at the greatness of Christ and to see where he can be our hope and to lean on him. So join with me, if you will, to turning to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Hebrews 2, starting in verse 1. And uh, we're going to walk through today looking at how Jesus Christ can be our hope and the proper response there. Point number one, hold fast to the message of hope in Jesus. Hold fast to the message of hope in Jesus. Man, our clinging needs to be to Jesus Christ and the truth that he delivers up and the hope that we have in him that will last for all eternity. So here we go. Point number one says, therefore, I'm sorry, verse number one, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a uh, just retribution, we'll just hold right there. He starts out, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, 
Yeah, what's the therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word. So as we start out chapter 2, it's connecting back to chapter 1. What is the connection back? Well, if you look back in chapter 1, we see Jesus as God Almighty, the Son of God, stepped down into this world. He became the exact imprint of God. He's not some copy. He is God himself placed into this world, exact imprint, an amazing privilege for us to have God with us. And then the the author started to compare, you know, the angels, which were at that time viewed as these super powerful beings and actually kind of distracted some of the worship. And angels started to be worshiped by men. And so the author of Hebrews saying, look, there's angels And then there's the God over the angels. There's the angels. And then there's the one who created the angels, Jesus Christ. And Jesus being God Almighty, Jesus being ultimately creator, sitting over all of the angels, an amazing, powerful, almighty king. And then at the end of chapter one, as it talks about him being ascended up into the heavens, this privilege of seated in the right hand of the Father, the ruling just hand of the Father, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. That is our King. Therefore, that's how chapter two catches it. Running hard after the greatness of Christ. Therefore, because of how awesome Christ is, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard. Uh, We must, right, that word must, don't look past it. It's a, a call. We have this absolute declaration. Don't miss this call out. We must, this command form, it's essential to go after this. We must pay closer attention. Now this phrasing, pay closer attention, in the original language is actually a nautical term. It's a term in many regards that is calling for a focus. It's saying, make sure you line your ship up and point it in the direction that it needs to go and then empower it to head in that proper direction. Paying close attention is like watching your compass and heading accordingly. It's setting your ship and sailing properly. Pay close attention. Set your ship in the right direction. May your worship be on fire with Jesus Christ. It says, pay close attention to what we have heard. To what we have heard, that Jesus is God Almighty. That Jesus died for us. That he rose for us. That we can have forgiveness of sins. Pay close attention. He is the creator. God Almighty in charge. Jesus Pay attention to that. Set your ship according to that. Drive your worship according to that. You know, as I was contemplating it this week, I wrote these words down. Don't just appreciate Jesus, worship him. Don't just appreciate Jesus, worship him. And then going on, don't just listen, follow. Don't just let your ears hear it, Make sure your heart is engaged with him. Don't just listen, follow. Don't just appreciate, worship. Man, all too often we set our hearts in a way with Christ where we're like, yeah, it's great. I mean, I I appreciate Jesus dying on the cross for me. I appreciate him rising again. I appreciate that my sin gets covered. I mess up so many times. I'm glad that he covers my sin. Praise God for that. And oftentimes we start talking about our Christianity as some really high appreciation for the gifts we get 
rather than recognizing the God who gets all the worship. Our Christianity starts to become sort of a rearview mirror Christianity, if you will. We look in the mirror, we kind of see behind us, and we're like, eh, it's nice that he forgave me of that. And that's kind of the depth of our Christianity. Be careful if that's where you're at. Man, Scripture's super clear that admitting that we are a sinner is so essential. I get that I make mistakes before my God, that I'm wronging him in my decisions. But more than that, we need to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. We need to believe that he has all authority in him. But man, it's not stop there and just check the rearview mirror and appreciate that somebody who died for me would cover some of that and so now I can keep doing whatever I want. It's also then confess him as Lord. Is he in charge in your life? Are you letting him lead? Are you following him with all you've got? Are you setting your ship in the direction that honors Christ and worships him with all you have? Are you in? And make sure you are following Christ with all you've got. He's like, pay close attention to what you have heard. He said, lest we drift from it lest we drift from it. So again, another nautical term here, lest we drift from it. You know, like the current in the stream or the whatever open water you're in where it starts to just pull you or your boat away from where you were headed, right? Have you ever been out maybe like in a lake, maybe you're Lake Michigan or wherever and and you're out there kind of on the shore and you're hanging out with people. You go in the water and you're sort of floating as you're talking to those you're right there with. And as you're chatting and floating in the water, all of a sudden you look up and you realize your blanket and your people are way up over there and you've drifted down away from the. How did that happen? Well, because we got into the moment, distracted in whatever's going on, talking there, and we weren't working hard to fight to stay in line with, and it just sort of took us along. And he's like, that's what happens to us if we're not intentional in our walk with Christ. Be careful lest you drift along the shore, dragged by the currents and the undertoes along the way. I just wrote this down. Top three undertoes that could hit us here in America. Top three undertoes that could hit us here in America. First and most obvious, distractions. Things welling up that cause your attention to be focused on that. Wanting it even. Distractions. Where you start to run after something maybe more like possessions or power, position, you're going after something for you and you want it. And in fact, from where you are, instead of focusing out ahead of you to the shoreline to where Christ is, you're turning to whatever that is and going after it. And you're allowing the current to drag you and you're even going with it. Distractions. It's so easy for us to be, be about me. And in being about me, all of a sudden there's an opportunity in front of me that I can grab hold of. Distraction. It can be a strong undertow for us here in our society, and here's another one, hurts, hurts, emotional hurts, or physical hurts, could be going through something deep and physical, hard struggle, right? or maybe it is even a spiritual struggle along the way as you're going through it. Hurts can really take our energy away. And in the midst of us hurting and struggling with whatever it is we are, all of a sudden we step into this heart of despair where we're like, it's just not worth it. 
All of a sudden, instead of swimming back against the current and trying to hold our position with Christ and recognizing who He is and worshiping Him even with my effort, all of a sudden we just let our arms go and say, I'm done. I'm done struggling. And we just start to drift. The hurt kind of taking away our will to battle in this world, if you will. Distractions or hurts and and a third one that I don't think I'd have put on the list until this last year, honestly, it, or well down the list, anger. Your angers can carry you well away from your worship with Christ. And man, we've had the opportunity to have our angers in this last year and a half, huh? And it doesn't matter where you stand and it doesn't matter what's going on. Whatever position you take, there is somebody with the exact opposite position. Have you found them? Right? And as you're chatting and you're finding all these opposite positions and different ways of thinking and our soul kind of wells up with frustration and anger and as we want to lean in and take a pound of flesh in that moment from them because I can't believe they just sat and our anger welling up and our worship just dies. Be careful. Distractions, hurts, angers, they can cause you to drift. Make sure you lean in in your worship with Christ and make sure he's getting all the glory. He says, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every dis transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, we'll just hold right there, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, what's he talking about? Well, here he's talking about actually Old Testament law being provided up. In fact, you can just write this passage down. You don't have to go there. But Galatians 3.19, Galatians 3.19, it actually explains how some of the law was being revealed out by angels and that these angels shaping and sharing out the law were being able to make clear what God wanted along the way. This Old Testament law was being delivered up by the angels and it was declared as accurate and trustworthy and true. And more than that, as they started to see things happen where there was blessing when you followed it and cursing when you didn't, there was this, this sort of punishment for not following. Man, in the midst of all of that, it became really clear God is in this. And so angels had delivered up Old Testament law and God was in it and there was a call to go after it. It says, actually, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Like if you weren't following the law properly, there actually was some level of physical punishment, physical struggle that went on. God made it super clear in Old Testament, follow me in this physical law and there will be good things that are happening. Don't follow, not good things. Follow me. It became really clear that with the angel's delivery, there became this call out to follow through, to be honest and real along the way in our worship of him. How much more then when we end up seeing it become salvation called out? It says, how shall we then escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now he switches over and he's like, so the angels delivered Old Testament law. But the Son of God, he delivered the New Testament hope of salvation in him. That Jesus Christ died on the cross. That he rose again. That he is our King. Jesus died to cover my sin and your sin. He is our Savior and he delivered that up. Remember chapter 1. Angels, Jesus over. 
And then likewise, angels delivered the first, the symbol, the shadow, the Old Testament law. It had truth to it, and it had even consequence that came with it. They delivered that shadow up to mankind to know and understand some of who God was. But then the angels were trumped wildly by the Son of God coming in. And the authority of God who stands over and he declared out the salvation to be followed. Question, if there was cost for not following what the angels delivered up, how much more will there be cost for not following what the God of the universe, the Son of God, stepped into this world to deliver up? That's his question. He's like, seriously, we can't expect to be denying what Jesus Christ said and think it's going to go well for us. It says it was declared at first by the Lord. Jesus Christ declaring out the hope of salvation. And I just wrote down two verses here. There are many in the New Testament for it. But here's the first, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus calling that out, come to me. I am your hope. Jesus did not say, I am a way. I mean, give it a shot. If it doesn't work for you, then go do whatever you want. That's not what he said. I am the way. No one comes except by Christ's words. John 14, 6. Luke chapter 9, verse 24 is another good one. He says, whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. Jesus declaring his salvation opportunity. Whoever loses his life for my sake will actually gain it. Eternal life with Jesus as we trust in him. Jesus, he attested to, he proclaimed out the hope of salvation. It says, and it was also attested to by those who heard. So first was Jesus saying it. Second now, for those who heard, they were like, it's true. Jesus did say that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That's true. They were attesting to the words he said. But more than that, they were attesting to the authority and power. They're like, and man, I'm telling you, when he was delivering those truths up, I saw a blind man start to see I saw lame men start to walk. I saw miracles happen. I saw lives changed. I saw a stunning truth take place. People began to be the witness and the testimony of the truth of Jesus Christ. And praise God for that, that Jesus declared it. But more than that, there were other witnesses who saw it. And they began to share of the words and the power and the truth that we saw. It says then, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. The first statement is by Jesus. Now it's by the human beings who saw it. And now he's saying even more so, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit pouring in miraculous work as the blind are seeing, as the lame are walking, as hearts are being stirred, as lives are being changed. And God is at work. They saw these miraculous signs. By the way, when you see the phrase signs and wonders, this is an indication of where God is going and what God is thinking. Like here's another way to say it. When you see sign gifts coming out, this is God saying, listen to this one. I'm working with them. 
I'm working through him, and I'm revealing this out. And so there were a lot of sign gifts that came out originally with the church to roll that church out and make it clear, listen to Jesus Christ, then listen to these apostles, these amazing miracle sign gifts as God at work revealing a ton of power and authority. It says, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The church is God's function. And we are called and rallied together to be able to worship him with all we've got. You know, if you trust Jesus Christ, if you believe him as your savior, if you confess him as your Lord, Holy Spirit in you. And as the Holy Spirit is in you, it says that he specifically gives you at least one, if not multiple gifts, abilities that you have because God is absolutely working in you. And I'm not sure we take advantage of or understand that nearly well enough, that God is stirring in you if you are saved and you are a miraculous gift to this community. Man, if this is your church, God has gifted you and he's gifted us with you. God doing a work and God working miraculously in his people and the Holy Spirit bringing a stunning plan to bear. Jesus said, I will build my church. Please hear me. This is not what he said. I will find a really cool group of human beings and everybody will kind of want to hang around with those people because they're really cool. Like it's not that. It is all about, I will do stunning, miraculous, spirit-moving work amongst. And as those people follow me humbly, the church will be on fire. And he's like, that's what we're going after. Man, we're going after what the Lord talked about, what the witnesses shared of, what God poured down through miracle upon miracle, and where the Holy Spirit gifted in a lot of corroboration to say, this is the plan. Man, everybody just say, God has a plan. He does. God has a huge plan as he's at work in this world, bringing hope through salvation. May we cling to him. May we direct our focus on him. May we truly bring our worship to our king with all we've got. And may we hold fast to all that Christ is in our lives. This is a huge calling. You know, in this past week has been a lot of tender stories that have gone around. Um, it's been uh, 9-11, uh, 20 years coming up, right, this weekend. And so there was a lot of celebration, remembering and appreciating of people doing miraculous work. And then a lot of tears and prayer and reflecting in some of the loss and the heartache along the way. And, and uh, one of the stories that I actually read just really stirring to me and, um, you know, this had to do more with the Pentagon, the plane that was coming down there. And when it hit by the Pentagon and all the destruction that went on, there was actually a daycare center at the Pentagon. I didn't know this. There's a daycare center there for all the workers there. And that uh, daycare center had a lot of kids within the daycare center, very close to the part that was at risk. And so these workers had to get the kids out. And they were starting to rally together some of the toddlers and getting the cribs together. Remember, they've got kids that are staying at the Pentagon. So like 
They know that there's the potential of risk, so these cribs are like super heavy-duty, hardcore cribs that could take a blast to be able to protect life, but that also means they're very heavy to be able to move, and so they're like, we got to get this out of here. What are we going to do? And things are going chaos, and all of a sudden, a Marine comes running in and says, what do you need? And they're like, listen, we're in dire straits. We got to get all these toddlers out. We got to get these cribs out. We got to get it now. And he's like, and he ran out. And they're like, well, that was not helpful. What is going on? And they're standing there trying to figure out, all right, rally them together. We'll do this. We'll start pushing. And all of a sudden, that guy comes running back in with 40 other Marines. They come running in. They stand at call. And he says, get the cribs. Get the toddlers. Here's how we're getting out of here. Everybody grabbing two or three kids, taking a crib or two, and they're pushing them out. They come out of the Pentagon, and they go to an area well away from safe in an area. And they took those cribs, and they put them into a circle. And they ended up putting the toddlers inside the circle, and they put some of the teachers in there to be able to be with them, to stay with them. And then those military Marines took their position around the circle, all 40 of them facing out, waiting and protecting and holding fast. Man, what we value and what we are called to, we will give our lives for. Are you ready to hold fast with Jesus Christ? Are you ready to take a stand with him? You know, this past week, we got a an email from one of our churches, actually some summaries of multiple churches down in Haiti. You guys know we're planting down there and we've got seven churches down there, two more that we're longing to get planted in time. And uh, we got a message back that just said, it's been phenomenal, some of the progress going on in the middle of some of the heartache in Haiti. And then we got this quote from Las Cajabas. This is just outside of Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti. This came from one of our churches. Praise God. Voodoo priests continue to come to Christ. Man, you got to hear this. There are voodoo priests who are like, I celebrate Satan and his power. Wait, not now. I celebrate the one more powerful. I'm worshiping Jesus Christ and I'm with him. Voodoo priests coming across and worshiping the God of the universe with all he's got. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Man, it's huge. Do not miss this. Recognize it's a spiritual war. Satan is trying to take our attentions. Distractions, hurts, and angers. Pulling us away from what matters. Hear me. What matters is Jesus Christ. Him glorified and him worshiped. What matters is that this world meets the God of the universe through your faith and your trust and your hope and your excitement. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, so how are you doing? Are you holding fast and are you in? May we truly worship him in our commitment. Point number two, celebrate God with us, our hope of salvation crowned with glory. Celebrate God with us, our hope of salvation crowned with glory. It says, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. 
He's like, listen, this world and all that we're talking about, it's not made subject to the angels. It's made subject to the one who created the angels. This world is not subject to this, this powerful being called an angel. This world is subject to Jesus Christ. And he's the one that everything has been made subject to. He is greater. I ready to say he is greater. He is greater. And this world has been made subject to him. It says, it has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? And I, first of all, I love that the Hebrew author wrote, it is recorded somewhere. Have you ever been in one of those moments where you're starting to say something? I know it, said, it says this somewhere. Like I'm telling you, super important that you at least get the truth out and make sure you're making clear what you stand for. And this author saying, it's been recorded somewhere. The answer actually is Psalm chapter 8. It's recorded in Psalm 8. What is the man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Many thought at the time that this was just speaking of humanity in general. Like, ah, what's people? We're really nothing to look at. And why? We're before God, we're just so small. And, and that's all it is. Even son of man, which was a word used for the prophets. Like even our prophets are still men. We're just small. We're little. We don't deserve. And, and that that was really the point. Now the author of Hebrews is saying, let me tell you something. There is something massive being said. There is a humbling that is taking place as the God of the universe steps down and becomes the son of man. As he humbles himself and takes on that role of lowliness. And in the moment, this is a huge statement that we are privileged to have a God who brings us hope through the process of humility as he laid himself available for you and for me. It says, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. God the Father, having God the Son, stepped down to lower than the angels. The angels, all powerful in our eyes, so amazingly stunning in what we see. And God the Son so far above, but he came and took a position below. Man and son of man as he is now fully God, but fully man, humbled himself and stepped below. Jesus Christ, willingly coming down, God the Father making him lower for a little while, humbling himself along the way. And how are you doing at living your life humbly? How are you doing at honoring Jesus Christ in your walk by recognizing how he walks? and humbling yourself before others. Huge call. It says, but you have crowned him with glory and honor. Jesus, God Almighty over the angels, was brought a little lower than the angels, but then he was brought above the angels, crowned with glory and honor. Crowned, he is king of kings. Crowned, he is Lord of lords. The Father made him heir, and the Father put everything under him. All creation is rightly Jesus Christ. He was crowned with glory. It says, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Putting all creation, everything. Putting how much? Everything in subjection to Jesus Christ. He's in 
charge. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23 give a great explanation. I won't go into the detail, but talking about Jesus Christ who ends up dying and rising, ascending into the heavens, seated at the right hand of the Father, church under him, him over it all, enemies made a footstool. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. And it says, now in putting everything in subjection, he left nothing outside his control. Nothing is outside his control. How much is outside? Nothing is outside of Jesus' control. Does it feel like that? Or does it feel like, it seems like a lot is outside of his control? Really? Nothing is outside of his control. Know this, man. The author here is revealing that God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. It says, let me get this clear for you all. The author says, at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Everything is in subjection to him. But at present, we do not see it as subjected to him. Super important that we grasp this. Jesus Christ is doing something. There is something going on, and as he allows something to go awry, as he allows this country to go wherever it goes, know this, God has a plan. Are you ready to lean in? Are you ready to walk with Jesus Christ wherever he sees fit for it to go? He is in charge. And as he walks us through what could be very rough times, God will get our worship. Are you ready for this? Where he is over everything. Some of them just don't know it yet. Do you know what I'm saying? God has a plan and he knows what he's doing and he knows where he's headed. Hang on. Man, have you read the book of Revelation? It gets a little sideways and God is still over it all. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he is walking us home to heaven, one soul at a time, one moment at a time, one plan at a time, for all eternity, where there will be no more pain and no more sorrow, joy only celebrating our King. May God truly get it all. And all of God's people said, Jesus is over it all. See, all too often we use our eyes and we go, well, it doesn't seem like it. And like somehow that means the theology changes and Jesus isn't over it all. He's over it all. Hang on. He's doing things we could barely understand. We don't get it. That's the fair thing to say. Okay, God, I'm trusting in you. You're in charge. You're in charge. He says, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. He's like, we don't yet see everything in subjection. Instead, what we've seen is the God of the universe humbles himself, becomes a man, enters this world, goes below angels, dies on a cross, and rises again. That's what we've seen. We've seen Jesus come into this world thunderously and humbly hang on because the Lamb is the first coming of Christ. And the lion is the second coming of Christ. He has it all in hand. And all of God's people said, 
what we've seen is the first coming, and the second coming is around the corner. Lean on your king, hang on. He says, but we see him for a little while while he's made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. God the Father crowning him because he did willingly go to the cross for you and for me. Our sins covered at the cross and Jesus then rising again from the dead. Life because of Christ. We have hope in him. I just wrote these words down. God with us. That's our hope. God with us. God for us. That's our hope. God in us. That's our hope. And God over us. That's our hope. Our hope. God with us. God for us. God in us. God over us. Those are super huge prepositions. With us. For us. In us. Over us. We are not alone. And God has a plan. This is a huge deal. As Jesus willingly went to the cross for you and for me. He loves you with all he's got. He ends it here by saying, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus Christ, he tasted death for me and he tasted death for you. And we have salvation offered to us as a privilege. Are you in? Are you willing to believe in Jesus and confess him as Lord? Are you willing to rally around and defend the name and the fame of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to say, it is all about my Savior? He brings the blind back to sight. He brings the lame back to walking. He brings the dead to life and he gives us life eternal. He is my King. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May we worship the one who is crowned King, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.